I was caught off guard a little bit to realize that the UFC Vegas 87 card kicks off nice and early at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 10.30 p.m. or a.m. Pacific Time. So some breakfast and uh, fights for a lot of uh, folks, combat uh, and uh, coffee, as I used to like to call it. I used to call it coffee, combat, and cannabis, but not so much the cannabis nowadays. But regardless, nice and early start for the UFC for this UFC Vegas 87 card. I appreciate you guys checking out the immediate reaction show you guys know that i watch every single fight live and then uh record a quick recap uh, as soon as the fight wraps up so you guys can get my quick uh fresh um immediate reaction to every single matchup uh as well as the odds that cash for every single fight so we can see where the money was on each ufc card so uh without further ado let's get into the uh recaps here Momentum seemingly was on Al Sawadi's side, but unfortunately for him, Radzabov had a great overhand to feed him in the opening minute of that third round to secure a third round knockout victory. Now, Radzabov had a great first round where he was able to hurt Al Sawadi a few times, and Al Sawadi obviously had his big moment in the first, but I thought Radzabov did enough to win that first round. The second round, it seemed like Radzabov was slowly starting to slow down, and that's where we saw uh, Al Sawadi pick up the pace with the striking and then obviously land the takedown and grind it out from that top position until the last few seconds of that round but Radzibov came on very quickly in that third round and was able to find the finish so big win for Radzibov there uh, rebounding successfully after that loss to Matthias Rombeski uh, a couple months back now good win for Radzibov like I said uh, this is a guy that was made or has made it to the PFL finals a few times fell short in those five round matchups but Three rounds, he's probably a little bit more dangerous, and hopefully he continues to work out the kinks that uh, seems to be the cardio issues that he... Um normally faces but this round three finish would definitely give him confidence that he can still go out there and find the finish if he really puts his mind to it now i quickly, I quickly want to talk about el sawadi um great performance on the contender series pulled off the big upset as the underdog against cage warriors champion george hardwick not a lot of people saw that one coming your boy obviously saw that which is why it's always great to check out my contender series breakdowns when we're in the thick of that season but um, that's not the way El Sawadi normally fights. If you watch his Fury FC fights, sure, he uses a little bit of movement, but we usually see him wrestle a lot more, and he usually does a great job in terms of controlling his opponents on the mat and asserting his dominance from there. Now, with this newfound love for the striking game and utilizing a lot of movement, it was eventually going to catch up to him, and this was the fight that it showcased where maybe he was just a little bit too comfortable at range, and that's where he ended up getting dinged. A lot of people didn't think that would happen because Hardwick, on paper, is probably a better technical striker than uh, Radzibov, but Radzibov maybe carried more power than what Hardwick was uh, showcasing that night. So um, Al Sawadi, you know, he's going to have to figure out a better mixture of this movement style of striking, but try to employ his grappling a little bit more um, frequently so he doesn't get caught in the striking realm like he did here as well. So uh, very happy to call the underdog here in Radzibov. Uh, earlier in the week, he was my dog of the night play, but with the addition of uh, Oliveira and Sopai, I had to flip the script and go with Sopai here, but very happy to still cash on Loic Radzibov to kick off the card, like I said, with a round three knockout. Let's quickly look at the odds that cashed here. Radzibov, underdog, plus 130, comes through 
by knockout plus 420, round three plus 1500, round three knockout plus 2000. Shout out to anybody that was able to secure that beautiful line there. And then the under two and a half caches in the last round at plus 135. Still 10 more fights to go. Let's see if the underdogs can keep the trend going or if the favorite pulls it off in the next fight. As most people suspected, Ludovic Klein goes out there as a minus 1,200 favorite and absolutely smashes the short notice UFC newcomer AJ Cunningham. Now, Klein showcased that he is more than comfortable to go out there and showcase his striking style, which made him uh, successful earlier in his career. But during this current winning streak that he's been on, we usually see him go out there and look to drag his opponents to the mat. But he knew he could get his opponent out of there if he just stuck with the striking and that's what he was able to do about four and a half minutes into that first round. Now, I, you know, I don't want to shit on Cunningham too much. Obviously, taking this type of opportunity on short notice just to get into the UFC, anybody would take it. But you got to kind of look more so towards the matchmakers here. You know, what's the difference in terms of trying to book Klein next week against a fighter that is more deserving of being in the UFC? I think a fighter that we're going to see later on in this card in Bernardo Sopai is a perfect example of a fighter who's a regional champion, who has solid skills, solid prospect and great potential and deserves to be in the UFC even at this point, that was a great signing, even if he ends up losing later. But a guy like AJ Cunningham, who was given the opportunity on the contender series, lost emphatically, goes out there, beats a bum on the regional scene, and then gets the shot in the UFC on short notice. Sure, again, maybe he's doing them a favor by saving Klein on this card, just accepting the fight on four days notice. But still, the UFC needs to do better and make sure that the guys that they're signing, the standard of which the guys they are signing are of that of the glo- being the global leader in mixed martial arts. And, you know, it was not a good sign when they uh, brought Cunningham in uh, in this spot. Go ahead and give him a shot on the contender series again. Not bring him in on short notice where he's going to be going up against a minus 1,200 favorite. Absolutely insane. Getting back to Klein, great work from him, showcasing that he can go out there and do what a minus 1,200 should do. Let's see if he can keep this run rolling now. All right, let's check out the odds that cashed. Obviously, like I touched upon, Ludovic Klein, massive favorite, minus 1,200, comes through by knockout, minus 150, round one, plus 125, round one knockout, plus 190, and then the under one and a half coming through at minus 130. I believe, I just want to quickly confirm this suspicion. Um, I believe that Ludovic Klein is now on a four or five fight winning streak. Sorry, he's... um. Yeah, he's 4-0-1 over his last five fights. Again, that Jai Harbert fight could have been a loss had it not been for the point deduction, but good run that he's on. Let's see if he can keep it sustained. Christian Leroy Duncan puts on an absolute ass whooping on Claudio Hibero as he comes in as a minus 300-ish favorite, but it was a great performance all around from Duncan in terms of showing his continued maturity as he continues to work through the UFC ranks. Last time around uh, against Dennis Tululian, we saw him utilize his clinch, wear on Tululian, and then eventually finish him in the second round. And it seemed like he was having fun with his striking and pretty much picking apart Hibero through the first four minutes of that first round. And then in the last minute, we saw him start to work the clinch and wear on Hibero. And then in that second round, we saw him go in for a double leg, slam Hibero to the mat, eventually take full mount, eventually get the back, and then rain down big elbows to get Hibero out of there. 
seemed like he better had no answer for anything that Duncan was throwing his way. And Duncan was pretty much having his way with the Brazilian fighter there. But great work all around from Duncan. Again, showing the maturity, showing the growth and improvement that is required to be successful at this UFC level. And I look forward to seeing him continue to improve the grappling aspects of his game because that will just make the rest of his game even that much more dangerous. All right, let's check out the odds that cash here. We had Duncan, obviously, like I said, big favorite coming in at minus 360. He cashes by knockout plus 110, round two plus 340. Throw those two together. A lot of people were honing in on this specific prop here. The round two by knockout at plus 470. And then the under one and a half cashes with just about 30 seconds on the clock at minus 110. I'm sure over and under betters were sweating that one out heavy. But Duncan was able to emphatically ensure that the under hits there. Again, great work from Duncan. It looks like the UFC is headed back to England uh, in the summer. And it would be great to have a guy like him on the card here. Let's see if they can put it together. And who in the middleweight division they put across from him upset alert Eamon Zahavi goes out there and 29-28's Javid Basharat over 15 minutes and picks up the unanimous decision victory. Now, Basharat had a solid start to the fight with his output and his kicks up the middle that seemed to give Zahavi some issues. But then Zahavi started to extend his combinations as one of the commentators was alluding to and it seemed to really start to press and start to frustrate Basharat. Although a lot of the shots that uh, the corner of Zahavi was reacting to did not seem to hit cleanly, but it seemed to have swayed the judges a little bit. But I will also give credit to Zahabi as it seemed like his uh, forward pressure and big shots in the second and third rounds were deserving of him getting his hand raised that night um, or tonight, I should say. But uh, Zahabi, great game plan in terms of staying in the face of Bashra and hitting him with punches where a lot of opponents usually get frustrated by the footwork of Bashra and the way he's, he's able to keep his opponents at bay. But Bashra seemed to start to slow down, something we haven't normally seen from him throughout his uh, MMA career as he's usually comfortably in control of the pace and the range in which fights are being fought at. But that was not the case tonight as Eamon Zahabi was able to go out there and do great work, like I said, in the second and third rounds and deservedly winning that decision victory. I know a lot of people are ripping up their tickets right now because they're throwing in Javid Basharad into parlays and I was guilty in terms of doing that in some of my degenerate plays as well. It is what it is. That is the name of the game. You've got to know that there's always a risk, no matter how big of a favorite somebody is going into their fights. All right, let's quickly look at the odds that cast your juicy Zahabi money line plus 570 closing on FanDuel there uh, by decision plus 1100. And then the over two and a half, the chalkiest of them all, cashing in at minus 225. I wonder how many people in the comment section will say that they had actually taken Zahabi, put their money where their mouth is, and are now laughing in front of everybody that parlayed Javid Basharat at minus 800. Great work for Maimon Zahabi. I believe that's four or five straight wins wins for him now the guy's really rolling after having a very tough two-fight losing streak now he's uh you know he took that hiatus now he's back in the thick of things and really seeming to put things together this is a big time win giving Javid Batra the first professional loss of his career as well let's see how they move as a hobby moving forward
It was a tale of two fights as Bernardo Sopai had a very solid seven and a half minutes, but after he was taken from that top position that he had and we saw Oliveira switch the position, we saw Oliveira start to rain down big shots that seemed to take all of it out of Sopai, which ultimately led to a beautiful flying knee knockout for Vinicius Oliveira in the last 20 seconds of the fight beautiful knockout amazing fight between both guys it is definitely a learning experience for Sopai who's still only 23 years old showcased that he did have the skill set to be competitive against some of these higher level opponents but just needs to manage the gas tank a little bit better and manage the positions that he had a little bit better as well it seemed like if he was able to posture up a few more times when he had the back of Oliveira he could have rained down enough elbows there to get the stoppage and this could have been a completely different result but shout out to Oliveira showcasing his experience his veteran savvy and his ability to battle through that adversity and come back strong in the seventh eighth ninth and then eventually uh, ninth minute and then eventually the final minute there of the fight to get that beautiful performance winning knockout absolutely phenomenal fight it's going to be tough to top that as fight of the night but we still have about half of the card to go all right, let's check out the odds that cash here. We had Oliveira coming in at minus 135. Cash is as the slight favorite. Buy knockout, plus 190. Round three, plus 1,000. Throw those two together. Round three, plus KO and KO, plus 1,300. The over one and a half easily cashed there at minus 155, although it was quite sweaty for uh, over betters uh, when Sopai had those dominant positions and was raining down the shots that he was. Great performance for Lockdog, one of the truly most entertaining fighters that is currently on the roster, and he just added another reason as to why, not to mention another highlight reel for himself as well. Good God, what a knockout. Besides an early scare in round one, Eric Anders was able to put on a classic Eric Anders performance and Jamie Pickett had nothing to do or say about it. We see Anders go out there and get a 30-27 and 229-28s to pick up the unanimous decision victory and just showcasing that Anders, you know, he just he just doesn't have what it takes to get to that next level. Yes, he got the victory here, but Jamie Pickett is a guy that synonymously is known as uh, the guy that just lets guys go out there and do what they want to get the dub. Um, you know, very unfortunate. Pickett has the frame, the size, the strength, the power. But he just doesn't seem to have the mental in there. And especially going into this fight, the commentators were talking about Pickett saying this is his last fight no matter what. So maybe already going in there defeated. Um, not the greatest of looks, but uh, a typical performance. This is how most people expected it. I really like the over in this spot. I like the Anders by decision. And both of those ended up hitting. Anders, uh, he's talked about uh, two or three more fights left on his contract. He wants to fight those out and then see where the chips fall after that. But this is not a guy that makes me believe that he's going to be able to make a run into the middleweight uh, top 10, top 5, or, or even uh, eventually get a title shot. So um, give Anders whoever we know what we're going to get from him if they can give him somebody that's going to give him a little bit of resistance and actually not allow him to just enjoy his time up against the cage then maybe we'll see Anders have some issues but he comes through as the chalky favorite so let's quickly talk about the odds that cashed here uh Anders money line minus 550 one of the chalkier spots on this chalk heavy card uh by decision plus 140 over two and a half minus 145 your boy 
going out there doing exactly what everybody expected him to do in this spot and picks up the unanimous decision over Jamie Pickett. These boys were swinging from the first bell, but it was ultimately Steve Ersig who goes out there and secures the second round knockout victory over Matt Danger Schnell. Very unfortunate loss for Schnell, who continues to deal with his durability issues and is taking losses due to it. You know, Steve Ersig is a guy that normally goes out there and gets submission victories, but he trusted his hands in this fight and he has shown some solid hands throughout his UFC career thus far, but it finally translates into a one-punch knockout uh, over Matt Schnell and we obviously saw uh, Schnell's head bounce off the canvas as well as he was dropping. Not a good visual there, but big win for Steve Ersig as he continues his run through the UFC. This is definitely a flyweight to keep an eye on, especially with his already solid jiu-jitsu game and now the confidence in his striking starting to grow as well. This guy's so quick and precise and accurate in terms of landing his strikes when he's in the zone and he doesn't just go you know one shot at a time. He's throwing combinations and he's throwing with confidence as well he's going to hit a breaking point at a certain point but he's looked good thus far pretty much beating every opponent without too much issue uh from what i remember uh alessandro costa had uh, won the second round in their fight and uh, Chanel did land a big shot in the first round in terms of a counter but for the most part steve versick has gone out there and continued to put together a flawless run inside the ufc all right, let's check out the odds that cashed for this matchup. We had Steve Ersig as the big favorite here at minus 450 cashing by knockout plus 200. And I remember seeing earlier this week at, that the knockout and submission prop were pretty much identical. So pick your poison pretty much in terms of which one you want to go with. Uh, round two plus 500. Round two knockout plus 950. And the under one and a half cashing at plus 110. Again, very tough look for Matt Schnell. I'm curious to see how he's going to be able to bounce back from this. But I look forward to seeing the uh, ascension and the way that Steve Versig looks to get into the rankings. He called out Brandon Royval a little bit too uh, quick of a call out in my opinion. I think it was Royval or Moreno, one of those two that he ended up calling out, but still too quick of a call out there. There's enough guys there between 10 and 5 for him to call out that will likely be his next foe, uh, but gotta admire his uh, hunger and his willingness to go out there and try to prove that he's the best flyweight in the world. Should be a good one. I hope they put him and Tetsuro Tyra together next. That would be a great flyweight matchup. Obviously, Tyra, jiu-jitsu wizard. Um, Ersig has some decent jiu-jitsu chops himself. Ersig might even be the better striker there. I would love to see that one be put together. Let me know what you guys think. Although there were a couple of lopsided scorecards there, 30-25s and 30-26s, we do have to tip our hat to Bexat Almakan for taking this fight against Umar Nurmagomedov in his first UFC appearance. Nobody wanted to fight Nurmagomedov. Almakan stepped up, had some early success with that flash knockdown that he had against Nurmagomedov in the first 30 seconds. But after that, Nurmagomedov was able to just take over and just rinse and repeat with the grappling. But credit to Almakan for not just uh, giving up his back and giving up. There were plenty of opportunities that he could have just backed out of that fight in terms of uh, allowing Nurmagomedov to land these big shots, uh, giving up that full mount and just finding a way out. But he fought through every single minute there, every single second. 
And I think he earned a lot of respect from a lot of people. Uh, I saw somebody tweet in regards to this being a f- somewhat of a flashback of when Islam Mahachev went up against Armand Sarukian. And now we know what Armand Sarukian is up to. You know, he's one fight away from potentially rematching Mahachev, but uh, actually for a title this time around. So maybe there's that type of potential for Almakan. But spinning back over to Nurmagomedov, I thought it was a great performance all, overall. Uh, I didn't like the fact that people were questioning his striking game. Um, you know, he had a spectacular knockout with his striking in his last outing against a solid striker in his own right in Hani Barcelos. And I just hate that whenever somebody slows one minor or shows one minor slip up, that they just automatically question their skill set in that aspect of MMA. And then in this fight, it was Nurmagomedov with his strike. And we already know Nurmagomedov has a solid striking game. He's comfortable enough to go out there and throw flying stuff, spinning stuff, and uh, look good while doing it, and some good technical striking as well. But we know his bread and butter is the grappling game. So I don't want to completely throw out his striking skill set just because of that one flash knockdown. Everybody's had some minor slip-ups. No matter how dominant of a champion they've been in the past, there have been a minor slip-up. So let's just not count out Nurmagomedov striking just because of that one moment there it's MMA four ounce gloves anything is possible in those aspects um, but again great work from Nurmagomedov to go out there gut out that victory and absolutely dominated pretty much outside of that first 30 seconds all right let's check it out these some some of these odds that cast here uh, minus 1200 Nurmagomedov huge favorite there obviously if a fight is supposed to go to a decision 30 26s and 30 25s very solid, but to get it at plus 170, something that I was kind of harping on during fight week is uh, Almakan will not go out easy. So to take this fight to go uh, to a decision or even for Nurmagomedov to win by decision is the best way to turn a minus 1200 into a plus 170. And then the over one and a half cashes at minus 190. I think earlier in the week it was my over two and a half, which was around that minus 140 line. Regardless, both of those end up cashing. Nurmagomedov goes out there and calls out Corey Sandhagen uh, with this win and I would love to see that matchup as it was originally scheduled to be the UFC Nashville headliner if I'm not mistaken or San Antonio headliner whichever was at the end of the summer this past year uh, obviously Sandhagen has to uh, sorry it was Nurmagomedov that was forced to pull out Sandhagen ends up fighting Font uh, injures his knee in the preparation for that matchup so he's been on the sidelines for a little bit but I would love to see both of these guys get matched up perfect matchup for both both guys and both guys are willing to take that fight as well so i would love to see those guys get matched up moving forward i think i speak for a lot of people here that we can credit alex perez for showing up for this matchup obviously to obviously show up and fight but in terms of putting forth a solid effort and i believe if he just pushed a little bit more he could have actually gotten out there and gotten the win Unfortunately for him, he drops a 29-28 unanimous decision to Mohamed Mokhaev, who could potentially be fighting for the title next. But let's quickly talk about Alex Perez again. This guy was marred with so many canceled fights from weight issues to COVID to just a plethora of things, injuries as well. But a lot of people did not expect him to make this date, especially against a, a fighter like Mahayev. But he showed up and he showed that he is still capable of some high-level performances. He just needs to get his head in the game a little bit more in terms of putting some offense out there. I thought it was a close fight going into that final round, but it was just the lack of damage that Perez was looking to implement, especially when he was effectively defending the takedowns that were coming back his way from Mahayev. But Mahayev dealt with that adversity in terms 
terms of not being able to get this win as easily as he normally does. But he still went out there, still showcased some solid things. And I think a title shot would be a little too quick for him. But let's quickly talk about the odds that cash first before we talk about what's next. Mohayev, the favorite, comes in at minus 370. I personally don't think he looked minus 370 in this, considering he was not able to have his way the way he normally does. Um, by decision, plus 200, not a bad look there. Uh, and then over two and a half caches at minus 105. Now, Mohayev obviously called out uh, the champion, Ali Chandra Pantoja. Pantoja has even called out Mohayev, especially if he was able to go out there and get the win tonight. And that's what he was able to do. The only other guys that kind of stick out there is Brandon Royval, who just fought for the title back in December. Got pretty much swept on the scorecards there. Uh, you know, he's already 0-2 against the champion. So why not give some fresh bloods uh, a champion shot? And I believe a guy like uh, Mahayev, you know, it might be too soon for him. I think Pantoja could likely get the better of some of these exp- exchanges, but I'd have to do the, the, the tape studying before I make a final prediction on that matchup if it is what ends up being next. Um, but, uh, you know, Mahayev... Um, he's been a solid prospect for a long time you know we heard about this kid originally when he was 23 and 0 as an amateur now he finds himself 11 and 0 as a professional just beat a former title challenger as well uh, i personally would like to see him fight at least one more guy before getting the title shot but if depending on how the um the lineup uh, or the schedule shakes out here um there's there's a need for the you know a, a title fight or a big fight on that ufc 301 card which is supposed to go down in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and I believe that is scheduled for May. So just about two months away, just over two months away for that pay-per-view. Let's see if Mohayev actually ends up getting the title shot here. But regardless, good win for him here against a former title challenger. Let's see what's next. Many expected this to be a banger of a fight, and it started off a little slow-paced, but it was Petrino's jab in the early going that got him the damage and to secure that first round. And then it was his grappling in the third round that really seemed to overwhelm Tyson Pedro, allowing Petrino to go out there and secure the unanimous decision victory. Now, Petrino continues to show a new and improved wrinkles in his game throughout uh, his last few fights. Obviously, the the emphasis seems to be his grappling. He really wants to showcase his grappling and try to secure submissions. You saw in the final minute or so of his matchup uh, right now, um, where rather than going for uh, ground and pound or posturing up in these dominant positions he was getting, he was trying to seek the arm triangle or trying to seek the rear naked choke rather than just, again, posturing up. And he could have easily rained down ground and pound to try to get Tyson Pedro out of there. But he will have to settle for a decision victory. This is a guy that we really need to keep an eye on moving forward. Physically speaking, one of the better specimens that we have at 205 pounds, his explosiveness, his power, his speed, his improving ground game. This is a guy that can definitely uh, make some noise in that top 10, top five, especially if he continues to accrue solid experience. There will be better fighters that will give him a little bit more uh, difficulties and more resistance than some of the guys he's been facing as of late. But this is the perfect, you know, step-by-step approach that Petrino needs to take, especially with his uh, main goal, obviously, being uh, uh, getting that uh, UFC light heavyweight uh, championship belt. But 
Good win for him here against Tyson Pedro. A couple of things to unpack on the back end, but let's quickly talk about the odds that cashed here. Petrino, heavy favorite, minus 390, comes through with relative ease uh, by decision, plus 260, the over one and a half, cashing at minus 160. Now, let's start off on the Petrino side, who called out Anthony Smith, who is actually sitting cage side for this matchup. And it seems like anybody in the light heavyweight division that is cracking or knocking on the door of that top 10, they point to Anthony Smith almost immediately. Immediately. I don't know if they see it as an easy fight or a fight against a guy that's been in, uh, you know, in a title fight in the past, uh, a guy that's usually firmly entrenched in that top eight, even if he ends up on the losing end on a lot of his fights. Um, I kind of wish that we saw Petrino call out a guy like Khalil Roundtree, who just defeated Anthony Smith. So I felt like that would have been a better matchup, but at least fighting somebody with experience. We know that Smith brings it a little bit for the first couple minutes, but if he's unable to have any success, he usually starts to fall off, and uh, that's where Petrino could potentially take over there. Um, Smith, aging, veteran, obviously on the decline of his career. I wouldn't mind it as the next step for Petrino as he continues to garner experience, but I would much rather see him go out there and fight Khalil Roundtree. Now let's talk about the loser here now in Tyson Pedro, who officially hung up his gloves uh, and has retired um, the second retirement of the night. Obviously, Jamie Pickett retiring uh, after his loss to Eric Anders. Didn't get the cage time that... um, didn't get the cage time that Tyson Pedro did, but neither did Eric Anders, who ended up winning that fight. But just talking about Tyson Pedro, in my opinion, a guy that was largely overrated throughout his UFC career, um, had a lot of issues in terms of actually getting to the cage, dealing with a lot of injuries, um, you know, a lot of issues outside of the cage, has been unable to stay active enough to really try to build some momentum. He was going out there and beating the guys he should have beaten, the Harry Hunsuckers and the Ike Villanuevas and the Anton Ducalis of the world. But anyway, Anytime he was faced with any type of resistance against guys that were closer to their prime, uh, he was falling up short. You know, um, even in the fights that he had beaten, they discussed during the fight, you know, uh, the Paul Craigs and the Khalil Roundtrees, that's before those guys really start to get comfortable and start to get some momentum of their own. Paul Craig, still a little bit of an asterisk as well, but Khalil Roundtree clearly uh, in the best form of his career now compared to when he faced Pedro several years back. But uh, all in all, um, you know, it's tough to make it to the UFC in the first place. Uh, so shout out to Tyson Pedro. Uh, fun while it lasted. Uh, he's saying it's not goodbye, but see you later maybe leaving the door open for a potential return but as of right now wants to focus on his family and take a step back from mixed martial arts competition and has ultimately retired but the ending result here once again being Vitor Petrino getting his hand raised by unanimous decision over Tyson Pedro it was a decent start for the favorite Shamil Gadziev as he was finally able to secure the takedown at the ending of the first round but He did not have the energy to do so in the second, third, or even fourth round, which is where Rosenstrike was able to get that stoppage at the end as Gadziev was failing to answer the bell of round five. So Jairzinho Rosenstrike technically wins by TKO round four. Now, we'll quickly talk about Gadziev's performance there. He showcased, uh, you know, a little bit of hands. He probably should have mixed them in a little bit more to try to blend and hide the takedowns that was coming behind it. But it seemed like he was very much slowing down in that second round. Um, I I probably leaned him winning that second round ever so slightly just because of, you know, there were some decent jabs from Rosenstrike throughout the beginning of that second round, but I, be- I felt that uh, Gadziev did enough work and control near the ending of that second round to 
swinging in his favor, but it was obvious that the momentum was clearly shifting towards Rosenstrike as he was stopping the takedowns. He wasn't taking a whole lot of damage. And then we obviously saw uh, the third round clearly in Rosenstrike's favor, fourth round, same thing as well. But great work from Rosenstrike, improving his takedown defense, his get-ups obviously are a different story, but getting him down is definitely becoming uh, more difficult. Um, and I think I'm just more so upset at myself in terms of being so confident on the Godzilla side, uh, getting in on him at minus 130 at the beginning of the week and I think he closed closer to minus 180 so uh, got some CLV there but you got to rip up the ticket at the end of the day um I, I suspected that his takedowns would have been a little bit better in terms of securing that top position against Rosenstrike. And then we, when we saw him actually get the takedown, he was doing good work from that top position. I felt he could have even gone to full mountain, uh, postured up to get a TKO or even secure the arm triangle choke, which it seemed that he was trying to secure from that half guard position. But still... Rosenstrike did a good enough job in terms of staying safe and uh, seeing the next round and then just building that momentum and winning uh, again, once again, TKO round four. So good win for Rosenstrike. Uh, step in the right direction for him in terms of improving his skill set all around uh, and a definite relearning experience for Shamil Gadziev going into deep waters here against probably one of the more talented opponents he's ever faced. Um, 34 years old, still a little bit of a, a rookie in the game in terms of the level of experience he's been going up against um we'll see how he comes back from this what he learns from this and how he, how he tries to adjust it moving forward all right let's check out the odds that cast here rosenstrike the underdog here caps off the main event there plus 150 by knockout plus 180 round four plus 3100 ridiculous odds there round four ko plus 3200 and then the over one and a half caches at plus 145 again good win for rosenstrike there not really calling anybody out but saying that he wants to return by july which is not a bad look for him uh curious to see how the ufc would match him up moving forward maybe he gets the winner of the um the heavyweight main event that we got coming up very shortly i believe that's between marcin taibura and tai tuivasa Again, those guys are always just gatekeeper-esque heavyweights, and I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, an opening main card bout on a pay-per-view between the winner of those two fights. So, uh, again, good step in the right direction there for Rosenstrike. Unfortunate loss for Mr. Shamil Gadziev. Uh, let's see how he bounces back from this. His first loss as a professional and as a uh, amateur as well. All right, let's quickly put a bow on the show here. Uh, there were six knockouts, five decisions. Favorites went eight and three. Uh, obviously, the biggest favorite of which was Eamon Zahabi pulling off the uh, upset over Javid Basharat in a closely contested bout. Uh, and then my performer of the night, I gotta go with Christian Leroy Duncan. I get he was a big favorite and we probably could have gone with Zahabi or any one of the other underdogs that pulled off the upset. Even Jerzinho Rosenstreich, solid performance there. But I loved what I saw from Christian Leroy Duncan, who is a guy that could potentially go on to do some good things in this middleweight division. We saw his flashy striking. We saw him take command of that fight from the jump. But then we also saw the continued improvements in his grappling game and then absolutely demolishing Claudio Habero from that top position. I thought it was a great performance. It might not earn a performance bonus uh, that's got to go to um, uh, Vinicius Oliveira with that spectacular flying knee knockout but this performer of the night is a some is a guy that went out there and showcased a near flawless performance but also some eye eyebrow raising things and for me it was CLD with his uh, with his grappling and his dominance once he was able to assert it 
Who is your performer of the night? Let me know in the comment section below. Um, it's only 7 o'clock. It is nice when the UFC is able to wrap up at a decent hour, especially for us East Coast folks. Uh, let me know how you guys did. I took a loss. Obviously, I was heavily invested in Gadziev here. I had Bashrap parlayed in something. I did cash on Loic Radzabov, uh, but I did also falter on um, Bernardo uh, Sopai, who started off very hot as well. But had some solid uh, cashing in the uh, Octagon 54 card that was going during uh, that was going on during this UFC card. So kind of ended the black for the day. Um, wish to have seen that green, but Gadziev just could not bring it home for us. Um, yeah, let me know how you guys did, and then I will see you guys on Monday for the UFC 299 MMA Lockcast full card breakdown. We get right back to work as this UFC circus continues on and on until mid-April. Got to get back to work. Appreciate all the love. Appreciate all the support. And uh, I'll see you guys on Monday. Peace.